here in Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint, Chris Yao, Mo Patton, coming to you live from the Lee Company studio right here in Columbia, Tennessee, just a short drive from Nashville, and a lot of folks coming around these days as summer is winding down, getting in that last vacation, and so we like to stay down here where... A lot of folks are coming, but at least it's not, you know, woo girls outside our window. No pedal taverns. No pedal taverns. Yeah. If you're coming down here, it's just a little, a little more sophisticated trip. A little if you're quieter. Coming, if you're coming to Milltown, so it's a little quieter. Looking forward to this next segment as we're getting ready to talk the business of college athletics as we bring in Matt Brown of Extra Points, who we've been patiently waiting to talk to for a couple of days looking forward to this one matt thanks for taking time with us we appreciate it man it's it's my pleasure thanks for being patient it's been a uh as you can imagine an unusually busy past couple of days here on my beat it's oh yeah um your beat in particular yeah um are we done no we're not we're, we're not done um there's there are conversations happening right now not just with the ACC uh, involving Stanford and, and Cal, although the, the folks I talked to this morning that are familiar with those conversations don't expect them to result in those schools being invited. But uh, the Mountain West is trying to make moves. The American Athletic is trying to make moves. We are, are, have yet to reach a final resolution to what happens with the remaining Pac-4 institutions. And certainly whatever ends up being the resolution there is going to trickle into the Mountain West. It's going to likely trickle into the FCS, potentially the WAC, potentially the Big Sky, uh, and there'll be downstream effects of, of, of this as well. So the, the biggest shocks are, are, are have happened. Like I don't expect Florida State to leave anywhere in the next week, but there are going to be aftershocks related to, to last Friday for the, uh, several more days to come. I find that, and I think for us here, I'm most interested in what the AAC wants to do and if westward expansion is even a possibility for them. If it is, they've got, they, they've got to take some Mountain West teams, and I don't know that that's possible. Yeah, that, that has been the the – the, 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 the framework that's essentially been described to me here too, right? Like, you know, we don't need to go shopping right now. If we have an opportunity to potentially grab a couple of premium brands at Stanford and Cal that uh, help bolster an identity that the part of the American has of, of being around some really elite academic institutions, there's a chance to do that. Maybe you try to go grab another Mountain West team or, or so to make that travel more, more possible. And, and then potentially to, trigger some sort of renegotiation with ESPN to put more of the American athletic content on linear television instead of behind a paywall. A lot of uh, AAC content is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. There's obviously a linear component, but if you want to watch AAC basketball, if you, if you want to watch some of their Olympic sports, you want to watch every football game, it's going to be on Plus. If there's a Western component and, and things open up here to another time zone where ESPN right now is going to have a hole in, in their broadcast inventory, Maybe that changes things. And I say that not to say that here at 227 
p.m. God's time zone here on, on Tuesday that that is the most likely outcome to, to, that, to, that to happen. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm simply saying there are a lot of different conversations happening right now, that being one of them. One of the things we do agree on is that central time is God's time zone. That's true. We, People forget that. That's, that's <laughs> absolutely accurate. Um, Matt, isn't Stanford Cal, doesn't that have to be the first domino to fall? Or I don't the think next it, that, domino to fall? Yeah, it, 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 the, I would say they're the most valuable domino, but they're not necessarily the, the next ones. You know, one of the challenges here with the Pac-4 and the Mountain West where you would think that geographically it would make sense to have some kind of union is that there's there's two really big administrative hurdles that, to the best of my knowledge, no one's figured out exactly how to fix yet. One of those is who uh, is it, does it become the Mountain West, the Pac-4, or something else? Because both leagues control very important money that nobody really wants to give up. The Mountain West is going to be sitting on a nice pile of NCAA tournament units in part because San Diego State made the dang championship game. And so they don't want to dissolve the league and necessarily give those up. And also, if you leave the league and the league still exists, you owe $34 million in exit fees, which is why San Diego State had to, had to backtrack when, when their golden ticket fell apart. Um, and, and these are not schools that have a lot of liquid assets. So that's going to be a concern for Boise, San Diego, Fresno, CSU, everybody else. On the Pac-4 side, you don't necessarily want to dissolve that conference because for two more years, you've got A5 designation. You have um, not exactly a, 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 an automatic bid to the college football playoff, but a more direct pathway than maybe what's left of the Mountain West. And you don't want to give up that money. You don't want to give up the, the uh, other media rights money that, that's, that's guaranteed to you. In all of this, the thing about both Stanford and Cal, beyond the fact that they're elitist institutions that, that, that feel uh, that it is important to maybe not – be branded with the unwashed masses of, mm -hmm. of, of non-collective enrollment public schools. Mm -hmm. but as mid as they have both been in football and basketball over the last four or five years, these are two some of the most, still two of the most elite Olympic sport athletic departments in the country. And to move to the Mountain West, where many of those schools are not even offering full scholarships for their volleyball and their softball and their soccer programs, they're just going to destroy everyone. And that's not really a great competitive environment to say nothing of branding. So I think it is possible. Long way of saying here, it's, it's possible. Washington State and Oregon State may find a solution before Stanford and, 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 uh, and Cal do, and they're not necessarily tied at the hip with each other. Like so many other things that aren't being taken into consideration in all of this, you brought up an excellent point, and it's the first time I've heard it with regards to the Mountain West and those tournament units that result from San Diego State's run. And that's not just a one-year thing either, is it? I mean, those things stretch out over like, what, four six years? years? Six. Six, six. Six years. And I, I'd have to go double-check the math. I think that's going to be a story for later this week. I think the Mountain West is still owed – multiple tournament units from previous years because it wasn't that long ago they sent like four teams to the tournament like i know nobody you know advanced very far but in practice like per school you know that comes out to close to a million bucks a year when you add in all of those units from, from previous years before that's not existential money but it's definitely enough money to bring in a bunch of attorneys and figure out what can we do to maintain all of this as much as possible and and as you know as of the last time i heard 
from 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 uh, industry people, uh, there's not an obvious solution. Matt, when I reached out to you, you said if the if the Pac-12 still existed on Monday that we could get you. But <laughs> the reason I reached out was because of your Big Ten story ahead of all of this happening. Because you know you were you were kind of hinting that Oregon and Washington were were on the were on the radar were probably going to happen if something else happened. That being said, yeah, it was kind of reported here and there that Big Ten folks really didn't want to do this necessarily, but they felt like they had to in the event that the the, the four corner schools went to the Big 12. Is that what you're hearing as well? I want to think of the, the best way for me to answer this in a way that is compliant with FCC regulations over what you're allowed to say over the airwaves. Look, we're on the internet, man. Nobody cares. No, okay. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to. Don't yes, want to we don't want to get in trouble. I, feel I, don't want to, I don't want to cuss too much here, but I, I will say this. Big Ten administrators and presidents were very happy to tell that line to people like me and people like other national reporters. I do not believe it. Um, and it, there was no gun from Indianapolis. There was no gun from George Klyavkov or Brett Yormark or anybody else that forced the Big Ten to take these schools. They had all of the television money, uh, demographic information, all of the ratings breakdown, all of the stuff. They've had it for a year because they've been meeting since – Last summer, I wrote, I wrote about it. I've, I've, I've even seen some of the numbers. I haven't seen all of them because they're proprietary, but I've seen some of them. And I know there wasn't such an enormous jump in money that it made sense to do this immediately, especially considering the significant costs, which Big Ten officials knew. And we even saw this, I think, yesterday. A region at the University of Michigan was like, hey, guys, this deal sucks. This deal increases travel and makes the experience of our athletes worse. We understand that fans here don't like it. But sucks that we had to do it. Blame the NCAA. And I say, that's bleeping baloney, man. Like <laughs> Michigan's, Michigan's president, it's, it's balderdash. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's just baloney. Michigan's president was on that committee of, of the, the steering committee. He was the one that leaked to all the national reporters that this was going on. He grabbed the wheel. And it's not like Michigan or Ohio State or Wisconsin need more money to be competitive. All of these schools generate more money than Nicaragua makes us a country every single year. Like, that is not the reason that you're not being successful here. You did it because you want to do it. And if you're going to do that, the honest thing to do is what Big 12 is doing, what Brett Yormack is doing, and just think, we did it because we wanted to. Not, we did it because we felt like we had no choice to protect the dignity of the student. Get, get out of here with that. <laughs> like, if you're, if you're going to do something that you know is wrong and unpopular, then, then have the, the balls – and, and to, to, to be in public and own that decision. Don't try to be popular on the internet and mealy mouth it. It, it legitimately makes me really angry. Clearly, This is why we have Matt Brown from Extra Points on Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint for just that type of insight I, and passion. I love it. Look, and, and that's the whole thing here is you could, the Big Ten had plenty of money. They had everything worked out. The Big Ten didn't have to do anything. They didn't have to do anything. Now, yeah. in the event that they didn't, Matt, this is all hypothetical. What would have happened to Oregon? And I mean, would, would that have changed what we're talking about today on a massive scale? 
I mean, we would still have some pretty significant problems, but if, or if the Big Ten had, had communicated guys were just not interested, the Pac-12 probably still exists. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's because very cl- that's the only place that Oregon and Washington would have left for, right? That, that's it. They weren't super excited about independence. And, and, you know, based on everything that I've heard, they weren't, they, they were coming around to the idea of being the, the big fish in a small pond, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, for two years, we got the most direct path to the college football playoff. We can beat up on people here. And, and, and Utah and Arizona State, I'm not telling tales out of school here, did not want to go to the Big 12. They still don't want to go to the Big 12. They don't want to associate with Big 12 schools. They don't want to go to Morgantown. Arizona State's athletic director really? just flat out said, I don't want to go to Morgantown. I'm going to make my deputy do it. Like, so you, everybody only did it because they literally felt they had no other choice. And realistically, after we're going to watch West Virginia in all this, catching straight. Catching straight. And, and, and I will say, to Ren Baker's defense, the athletic director of West Virginia did put out a, a tweet, I want to say yesterday, that said, folks, there's two different kinds of people in this world. There's people that love West Virginia and folks that haven't been there yet. And, and based on my experience, I, th- I, think that, I think that that's true. It's just elitism. It's people that don't want to fly into Pittsburgh and don't want to face the dignity of driving in a car for an hour. Like, if, okay, if that's but, not you. Okay, well, flying into Pittsburgh is, I, I can see the, the... <laughs> look, the, weird, the weirdest thing about this whole story is these administrators at Arizona State acting like they're at Cambridge. Dog, I've been to Arizona State. Like, let's not, I don't care what the AAU said. I know what kind of school you are. I know the kind of people that go to Arizona State. Do not lie to me. <laughs> you do not get to put on uh, classist airs and pretend that you're some some dignified historical cathedral of learning. <laughs> you are suntan you. I've Just been go. to Tempe. It's it's Party's it ain't all that. Yeah. It, no, I've I lived there. I I I I've I've lived there. No, it's 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 very frustrating. So again, all this to say, yeah. They didn't want to do it, and they realistically had to do it once Oregon and Washington left, and, and that was the, the, the hesitancy about all of this. Is that, will the Big Ten take them or not? And for me, I think anybody in, in Chicago or Indianapolis or in the Big Ten sphere that, that tries to say that we had no choice is simply not being honest with you. Just yeah. own the choice that you made. And, and you, I mean, you, you posted the, the, the meme – of the guy shooting the dude on the couch. Why would the Big 12 do this? And it's the Big 10 asking the question. That, yeah. I, I think that feels like the the most accurate depiction of this entire thing. Now, that being said, you say we're not done. If the ACC adds teams, what does that do to their grant of rights? Does it open the door? So... I don't have this on. Like, I, 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 Jim Phillips has not like clarified this with me, and, okay. and like I have not seen this read or heard this from a specific athletic director. What I've heard from consultants is, if you add Notre Dame, sure we can re, we can redo the grant of rights, and that's it. Like if you add Connecticut and West Virginia and the the Big East friends and Cal and Stanford, we might adjust your individual payout. Um, adding Cal and Stanford would add more revenue to the ACC network because it would improve uh, carriage distribution in, in San Francisco and probably Sacramento. Um, it would ESPN would be happy about having a late night television window, but they're not going to redo the long term television deal. Um, so it doesn't like fundamentally change the stress and the tension between Florida State 
and to a lesser extent, Clemson and, and the rest of this league. And that is one of the many reasons why I don't think it ultimately happens, because as much as there's would be excitement about associating with those brands and maybe elevating some of your Olympic sports, it would be a lot of travel and a lot of a headache for something that ultimately doesn't solve your key problem. Where does Florida State want to go? I, that's that's what I'm. I they wasn't want to go ask, somewhere, but I where? I wasn't going to ask where does Florida State want to go, but I was going to ask who, who wants, wants Florida State? J.P. Morgan, clearly, or or at least their money, right? Like that that is the five hundred million dollar question, and because I don't think the SEC does. I don't think the SEC benefits from Florida State. I don't think either the SEC or the Big Ten do uh, at, at, you know, at, at this point. And I haven't heard either read anywhere else or heard directly sourced that there's any university president in either league that's openly pining for Florida State. It would make each league a little bit more money, but it also brings a bunch of other problems. And I don't, I don't mind saying this, even though it might be controversial in this market. Uh, now is not the time for Big Ten presidents to want to work with a public school in Florida um, for reasons that have nothing to do with football, that will, be, that will make the governance of this league harder. Mm. Um, that might be a conversation you have in two or three years if maybe you got a different governor mm. or you have some different folks working in, department, in the Department of, of, of Higher Ed. But listen, we already saw political tensions nearly tear this league apart over COVID. And now you just added two more deep baby blue governors and states and then boards of regents that are going to be governing your school, bring it into a league with Iowa, Nebraska, and Ohio. This is not the time to go bring in governor culture war uh, and, and, and higher ed. And people are going to be like, why are you bringing politics into sports? Why are you this dumb degenerate lib? Look, man, I'm just telling you the truth. That <laughs> yeah. These are the kind of things that matter to presidents. Yes. And I, I can tell you they are things that matter in realignment, because I know of specific examples where it's happened at the mid-major level. And, so, and, and if you don't talk about it now, you're going to wind up talking about it on the back end. That's, that's exactly it. If you pretend that those issues don't happen, aren't are, are a concern, and then you sit down for the first, the first president's unit, and, and you, you, you have some, some legitimate governance problems. And this has happened in multiple weeks that, that, that I know of. So I'm willing to, I'm willing to concede that Florida State may know something here that I don't. I, but I, I will say that to reach out to institutional investors and potentially private equity to finance that change hmm. is terrifying. And that is something that should bother any college sports fan, uh, particularly for one that roots for a public institution, because the, the downstream negative implications of that move could be massive, far outstretching anything that has to do with the ACC. Matt Brown of Extra Points, extrapointsmb.com. Before I let you go, one quick question. It's really, I'm not even going to ask you a question. I'm just going to say a term, and you tell me anything and everything you want to tell me about it. UConn. Um, in Connecticut, they sell pizza with clams on it. That's <laughs> delicious. Is they, it? They, they, ha, they, they claim they invented the cheeseburger. It's, it's not. It really isn't bad, actually. Use a, use a different kind of sauce. The wood-fired pizza there, it's very good. Um, <laughs> what I will say about UConn is that prior to last week, senior Big 12 officials in the Big 12 office 
were happy to tell all sorts of national reporters that they wanted UConn because they want to be in the New York City market. And they think that betting on college basketball and betting on New York as a way to make the Big 12 younger and more relevant to youth culture is very important. And athletic directors mostly, and, and some presidents, mostly did not want that because they've seen UConn play football in the last decade. Hmm. And they recognize that they're not competitive in there. I also know that at the campus level and at the Big East level, there were a lot of people that weren't super excited about that because UConn fans like watching UConn play teams that they've heard of and that they have some kind of connection to, not Oklahoma State. Uh, that being said, nothing makes sense anymore. Uh, I think it is dramatically less likely that UConn goes to the Big 12 now that the Big 12 is already going to be at 16 teams or you know has, has already done their expansion. Um, but that the fact that the New York guy wants to be in New York is, is not a secret. And if the Big East next television deal doesn't go super well, that's a school to keep an eye on. Gotcha. So not for a little bit anyway. All right. Well, there you have it. That is I, I think what I'm taking from Matt Brown at this point, though, is nothing's off the table. Can, can we just redraft conferences every, you know, five or six years and just be done with this thing? Uh, there, there's so many better ways to do this. We could do that. <laughs> we could decouple football from all the other sports so we don't have to send softball teams 2,500 mm -hmm. miles across the country. That would be fantastic. I, why is that not the number one thing here? Is, is uh, it basketball? No, it's it's ego. and It's, it's ego okay. and control. And I'll, I'll get you out of here on this, and unfortunately I do need to go. Okay. Um, I've talked to a couple of, of commissioners about it on the higher end level. They don't want to give up media rights revenue from Olympic sports by, you know, by not having those, those, uh, those teams under their control. If you let teams, you know, re set up conferences for different sports, you lose that inventory. You feel like it makes them less sticky to be in your, your conference and just plain stupid ego. Uh, it's worked for hockey just fine. It works for volleyball. Uh, almost any coach in any sport would say we would prefer doing that. It will make it easier to sell tickets. It would make it easier to make more competitive games, but, uh, we don't have great leadership in college athletics. And that's not just an NCAA thing. I think we have too many athletic directors, university pre pre presidents, regents, and conference officials who are too afraid to think boldly, and it's leading to people being hurt. And I would look at the past couple of days as, as an example of that. It is, it's not great. Matt, thanks. We'll let you get out of here. Go get the kids if that's where you're headed. Yeah, we're going, yeah. <laughs> take, them, take them to the doctor now. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate you having me. Matt Brown again of Extra Points, extrapointsmb.com. Make sure to go follow him on Twitter, Matt Brown EP. Promise you, you're not going to find any better coverage of, of this, particularly mm -hmm. uh, anywhere else. Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931 381 2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers.
Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. You can't see the sights without the sounds. From the crack of the bat to the roar of the crowd and everything in between, discover what Hit City has to offer. Spend your nights cheering on the Nashville sounds at First Horizon Park with giveaways, fireworks shows, theme weekends, and more. Single game tickets are on sale now. Visit NashvilleSounds.com to claim your seat today. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back in to SEC Football Media Day's kickoff event here at the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. This is Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Ball & Joint. We are in the Mobile Lee Company studio here on Radio Row. Glad to have you guys with us as we continue coverage all week long. We'll be here live on set through Thursday and then, of course, the Friday. marathon on Friday. A marathon, yeah. indeed, on Friday. You, you, you'll be able to catch Main Street Sports Today content from 2 until about 5 o'clock. Six, no, it'll be 6.37. It'll be late. Ish. It'll be late Friday. So if, if whatever you want to see, we'll, you we're, we're going to have it. So, yes, we did, in fact, invite Scotty to be on camera. I don't know what happened, but... <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've got a fan or a foe. I'm not sure which. He, he, a publicist. Uh, that's one of my colleagues, Scott, who works at the Fiesta Bowl. Of course, so. Fiesta Scott. Bowl. Yeah, well, of yeah, course it's Scott. Yeah. Everybody's Scott. Yeah. So, so uh, Scott, yes, Scotty, yesterday we had Scott Ramsey. Yep. And we had Scott Rabelais. Now we have so Scotty now we got. But, but I'm a Scotty. I'm like Pippin. I'm a Scotty. But so. you still got an R. I still got yeah, yeah. R. It's, yeah. it's the R's, man. It's got the R's. What's got going on? But, but. You know, we're, we're glad to have you guys with us and, and talk a little bit about what you're doing out in uh, in Texas and in, in the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. And, of course, with yesterday's big announcement that SEC Media Days will be on the road to the Lone Star State next year. Kind of wild, huh? It is wild. It's, uh, I'm, I'm excited for our friends at the SEC office to come to North Texas, and uh, we're going to be there to help them um, bring this uh, – Event to Life is an event that has grown exponentially <laughs> over the years. 
Uh, as I mentioned before, I, I worked at the SEC in my first job out of college, so I worked five SEC media days on the staff. None like this. It huh? was nothing like this. <laughs> it was uh, we were at the medical center in uh, in Birmingham, in Birmingham, on right, Aaron, yeah, right across from right, the office, right across from the office, and then went to the Winfrey. Um, as time went on, and obviously that just has expanded and expanded and expanded. So it's, it's, this is just unbelievable, and it's great to be here and great to see some friends and, and talk about the Cotton Bowl. So um, what you're saying is drinks are on you in Dallas, right? <laughs> drinks are on somebody in Dallas. It'll still be on the SEC, but it won't be on me. But that's all right. We'll tell you where to go get some good ones. Okay. All right. And some good Barbecue. Oh, oh. Mm-mm. That's what we need to know. Mm-mm. That's the real question. That, yeah, there we go. That's why we call on Scotty for the insider information. <laughs> That's right. But, you know, um, we might need to give him some insider information about tonight when we leave mm, here. Hello. Uh, yeah. Speaking of barbecue? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, what do you expect media days to look like in Dallas for the SEC? You know, the hotel that are going to Omni downtown is actually the hotel that we're very familiar with, with Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, as it's been our media headquarters for a number of years. So we know the layout of that hotel very well, uh, and we're excited to get them connected with the great folks there and uh, get a set up. I think you're going to see, you know, a lot of things that you see here at this hotel. There's a there's a great sports bar actually in the in the bottom of the hotel or in the, on the ground floor and uh, some other spots. So I think there's going to be some uh, good locations for folks to be able to do the things that they do and have a, uh, a radio row like this one uh, and also have all the uh, accessories and ancillary rooms that they need to do what they do to have a great event. You know, Dallas is, you know, the Dallas-Fort Worth, you can call it whatever you want to call it, the Metroplex, North Texas, you know, there's a reason why Sports Business Journal called it the best sports business city in the country, because it is. I mean, you you think about just in college sports alone, you know, you got five Division One conferences. You got the CFP. You got the National Football Foundation. You got three, four bowl games. Uh, and that's just in college football, you know. Um, and then you, you, you start going – um, a little bit deeper than that, and obviously you got everything in the major sports realm. But then even in the uh, in the uh, ancillary or, or, or you know semi-pro or pro sports realm, whether it's XFL, was Major League Rugby, Major League uh, Cricket. I mean, there's everything going on in Dallas right now, and in, in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and in particular in Arlington, where you got all the stadiums. Uh, in particular, from Globe Life to Choctaw Stadium, and obviously. Our home at AT&T Stadium, it's just a it, it's a growing place. People don't realize Arlington is considered a suburb of Dallas, and Arlington is the seventh largest city in the state of Texas. <laughs> and a suburb. And, and, and two of the other six is Dallas and Fort Worth, which they're all connected there together. So you got three of the top seven that are right there, and uh, I actually live in Arlington, so I'm. You know, getting to know that area, you know, living and working in Arlington, I'm getting to know that area quite well. And uh, it's just amazing. And it's growing. And it's growing by the time next year comes along. And, oh, by the way, when SEC Media Days goes on next year uh, in Dallas, in Arlington will be the Major League Baseball All-Star Weekend. 
That's not. Hmm. That's yeah, not nothing. Everybody's ears just perked up a little yeah, bit when you yeah. said that. Yeah. You, you, That'll be going on at the same time. You gonna get us some tickets, Scotty? Uh, efforting. Good radio term. We're efforting already. That is a good. Effort. That is, that is a flawless that is. execution. Mo uh, says that one a lot. Scotty, from the city's standpoint, obviously this news has presumably been in the works for a while, but it was just officially announced yesterday. How do you think the city, especially obviously given the news of Texas and Oklahoma coming in, how is the city and the kind of the outlying areas, are they going to embrace the fact that uh, the SEC is kind of coming into the Lone Star State next year? Everything's bigger in Texas. (laughs) So you already know they're going to come strong. Look, Oklahoma folks, Arkansas, and obviously Texas, they are built and have been uh, set up to come to Dallas all the time. You know, whether it's uh, A&M Arkansas, which is a game we host, mm-hmm. Southwest Classic uh, in September, whether it's OU Texas at Cotton Bowl Stadium, which not to be confused with the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, the bowl game. Um, yeah, their fan bases are c- accustomed to come to that town. And, oh, by the way, all the other schools in the SEC have great fan bases in the Dallas-Fort Worth area whether it's Texas A&M, whether it's Alabama, my alma mater, Missouri, you name it. We just did our Hall of Fame um, in May, and we had, you know, Texas A&M um, going in. We had folks from Texas A&M and folks from Missouri, and we had a great crowd there because a lot of college football fans and a lot of SEC, Big 12, Southwest, you know, old Southwest Conference folks that are there and just some good college football fans. So, they're going to embrace it. I think you're going to see a lot of folks there. And, look, the excitement around OU and Texas going into the SEC is probably one of the most significant um, conference shifts that has happened in college athletics. Mm-hmm. And it's going to feel that way at that media day. And that's the interesting thing to me is Texas and Oklahoma, they know what they're getting into. But it's not as if those two programs are not coming in with their sleeves rolled up, ready to start throwing haymakers. Uh, that's the interesting thing to me. Seems like sometimes we see conference realignment and the school kind of tiptoes or backdoors into a league. Seems like those two are ready to come in swinging. Absolutely. Well, you look at an Alabama, you know, I'm not trying to be biased, but Alabama's undefeated in AT&T Stadium. They know that stadium. They do well. There's fans all over. You know, there are schools in, in, in this conference that would love to play in our game, would love to have played a game in AT&T Stadium and haven't had the chance. And we'd love to have them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we it, so it's going to be a, a unique opportunity for some folks to see it. Uh, you know, hopefully we can get them out to the stadium for, for a portion thereof. You know, there is a distance between downtown Dallas and Arlington, but there may be an opportunity where we can get folks out there so they can see it. The Big 12 does their media day on the floor, on the field, I should say, of AT&T Stadium. So it is, uh, it's going to be a great opportunity to further bring um, the SEC into that Dallas, North Texas footprint. But it's already there because right. there's so many fans that are connected to all 14 and 16 schools that's in that area. Scotty Rogers of the Cotton Bowl joining, I'm sorry, the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. Absolutely. Classic. Classic. Joining us here on Main Street Sports. We're the only classic. (laughs) Joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee. There's plenty of classics in other other levels. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Anyway, 
Scotty, last week you talked about the Big 12 Media Days being held on the ground floor of the um, the stadium there. It feels like to me, and and obviously we are big SEC football followers, but it looks like the Big 12 is going to kind of be must-see TV this year, especially when Texas and Oklahoma are playing Big 12 schools that will continue to be Big 12 schools after this year because it, it feels like obviously Texas and Oklahoma have something to prove going out the door. Those other schools have something to prove as they go out the door. I, I think it kind of adds a little extra element to this season. I mean, do you, did you get that feel last week? You know, it was, it was a two-part. You got to feel a little bit of that, and then you obviously had the schools with BYU and Houston and UCF you know, coming in, and they're like, they're glad to be there. Mm-hmm. But they know they can, in Cincinnati, they know they can win. Look what Cincinnati did two years ago to get in our game as a, as a college football playoff semifinal. You know, UCF was one game away from being in our game last year, losing the Tulane in the, in the American championship game. You know, Houston has had a history of being in our game. Um, so I think those schools are coming in. You know, Texas and Oklahoma, I, are, I, the vibe I got is that they're trying to be respectful because that league means something to them. And there's no reason for them to go out in any negative way. Mm-hmm. Schools that are coming in, they're trying to come in and, and show that they're supposed to be there. And then all the other schools there, you know, they see an opportunity. They see a window because of what OU and Texas has done, at least in football, uh, as far as being some of the dominant programs. Now the window is opened, a touch, for them to come in and become. Now we can become that team that everybody's gonna see because that's the other thing. You know, with our with our Cotton Bowl Classic, we we help out with all the media with media and and game operations with all the college football games that happened in AT&T Stadium. So outside the Southwest Classic, one of the events we do is the Big 12 Championship game. So we have a great relationship with the folks at the Big 12 Conference uh, as far as making sure that their championship game goes off uh, without a hitch and is and operated and, and executed at a high level. And, and you know, Commissioner Yormark is coming in. You know, he's going to make it must-see TV because he's going to do some things that's a little different for their conference and it's going to bring some different elements for their conference. And, you know, our job is going to be to help execute some of those things that are away from the field, but most importantly, making sure the things that center around the game and what actually happens on the field goes off without a hitch. You know, it's interesting that you say that about your mark is going to do things a little differently because way, what was it you and I that were talking yesterday about your mark and how he's got to be a little bit more brazen Maybe. I mean, got to do something to stand out amongst the crowd a gener- little bit. Generate some, some energy and excitement around that conference right now. Absolutely. And look, every conference has got to do it. The SEC is built a little differently, so maybe they don't have to do as much of the flash because of what they are and who they are. And, and, and that's okay. And some other conferences have the ability and the window to do so. The Big Ten is probably similar to the SEC in that respect. They don't do as much of the flash because of what they do, but I think it's important to, to, you know, college athletics is changing, and if we don't get on board with 
changing with it and evolving with it, you're going to get left behind. I don't care if you're the SEC. I don't care if you're the Big Ten. I don't care if you're Big 12 or the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. We all got to find ways in which we have to take our history, our traditions, and modernize them in such a way that makes it relevant in today's space as it relates to the fans, student-athletes, the programs that we're going to work with. That's a, that's a really important piece. And, you know, that you got to, you got to, you got to hit that middle mark. You know, you got to string it right down the middle. And that's what we're going to end up having to do, especially as we evolve and our game evolves in the next two, three, four, five years. Speaking with Scotty Rogers of the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, let's talk about the Goodyear Cotton Bowl for just a minute here, because we, we spoke earlier with, and have spoken with Bill Hancock on a number of occasions throughout this week, and and we'll continue to do that, I'm sure, as we see him wandering around having a good time, Mm -hmm. as we are prone to do here. 2024, Friday, January 10th. That is a long time to wait for the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic in a postseason. It just seems like, man, 10 days after the start of the year? How crazy is that? You know, the ironic thing is that's my birthday. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so January 10th. I was born on January 10th. Throwing so a birthday, birthday party, huh? So, so yeah, you know, and the thing is, in a, you know, the, our schedule is going to be compressed. You know, normally in a, in a bowl situation, as the years have been, you've had a six- or seven-day experience. Well, that's probably going to be cut in half at least. Um, so how do we bring the best of what we do in that, window that's still being discussed but you know three four day type window you know we're going to have to do some things differently whether that's for the teams whether that's for the fans whether that's for the media we're going to have to find a way to uh do the things that we do best in a in a compressed window at a unique time because like you said you you know you're not it's not on a uh in the middle of that holiday break Right. That gives you that that gives you that feel. People are not off work, you know. January tenth, everybody's back to normal life uh, a little bit. And, kids and are all, back in school. Kids are back in school in all facets. So it's going to create some unique opportunities for us to be able to do some things differently. But yeah, it's going to be a long time to wait for that semifinal because uh, unique for us is that in the first year of the twelve team playoff, just as the rotation goes. And we rotate with the Orange Bowl, so it'll be us in the Orange Bowl as semifinal games in that first year. And then quarterfinals in 25 on yes. New Year's Eve, which will be a little bit more normal for you guys. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, the other thing, you know, that we're going to have to get accustomed to is in the current situation, we learn our teams on, you know, the first Sunday of December. Well, in the semifinal year, we're going to learn our teams four days before they arrive. Yeah. Because they might be playing on Saturday and then arriving on Wednesday. Yeah, that's it. You know, and in the quarterfinal year where there's a little bit of break, we'll know one team on that first – we'll know one team two weeks in advance, and then obviously we'll know who the potential of the other two teams might be. Um, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to create a lot of different operational changes – and flow with how we do what we do. We're going to have to um, 
compress our timeline on how we do the things we do to create the branding, to create everything that we do that makes it special so that when those teams walk into AT&T Stadium, they know they're playing in the Goodyear Cottonmouth Classic. And going forward, after this coming year, they know they're playing in a CFP quarterfinal or a CFP semifinal. And that's going to be really important because the crazy thing about the 12-team playoff is that there's a team that can be a Sugar Bowl champion and a Cotton Bowl champion in the same year. And then go how play does, for the national champion. How does that affect the swag is my question. Oh, uh, well, we hospitality and swag is, you know, we win that one. So we're going to make sure we go we go we going to make sure we keep winning that one. I, I don't want to be too bold there, but we want to make sure we keep bringing what we do cuz hospitality and what we do as far as the overall experience for all those that touch our game, that come to our game, that's really important for us. We spend an inordinate amount of time working <laughs> on the things to make sure that everybody that comes to our game has a light having experience. You know, I come to these media days and I see these coaches, and some of them have been there as head coaches. Some of them there has, has, has been in our game as assistant coaches, and they still talk about, you know, the experience. They still talk about some of the things that happened. You know, their their spouses still talk about some of the things that they got. And, you know, you know, we still have that TV that you guys gave us. It's in our basement and we still use it. Or we still – and those things are really important to us because we want those memorable experiences because, you know, the pandemic should have taught everybody this. We cannot take what we do in the world of sports for granted because it was, it was taken away from yeah, all of us. Rough. It was taken away from all of us. So for me personally, and I'm sure for many others on the other side, I don't take any game that we have, any opportunity we have to interact with the media, interact with student athletes, interact with programs. I cannot take that for granted because, you know, Mo and I go back when he was doing his, his, his journalistic work more so than he is now, and he was covering and, and, and covering women's basketball with, with Tennessee and Vanderbilt and Pat Summit and Jim Foster, we go back. That's twenty some odd years ago. You Don't know, but it's like that. Hold on, and it, it, it was, and you know, Talk about pump the brakes. And that's those those relationships are to me are critical. And I just, you know, I'm just lucky that I have a a, a place that I work and I care about with the Goodyear Cottonball Classic that uh, we can continue to create. Um, lifelong experiences for all the folks that that come touch our game and and we and i mean that for the media too folks like yourself that come in we want to make sure that you have a great experience because you're the conduit to get our word and our Mm -hmm. message and everything goes out to the masses and we want to make sure that when everybody listens uh to main street today that they know that uh, and that, co- uh, that trip to the Cotton Bowl was just fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, and we want you talking about it three months after, six sure. months after, one year after. We don't want. We want to make sure it's a great experience while you're there. But when you're t- doing, having your nostalgia conversations on the air, you remember that time we went to the Cotton Bowl Classic? We had a great time, and this yep. game and that that happened. And uh, so that's what we really want to do. Well, Scotty, I can tell you this. Uh, anytime you've been watching, especially during NFL draft, uh, there are still highlights of Mr. Spears from Tulane just running rough shot over USC last year, over 200 yards. Now he's in the backfield. Yeah, we hope with that their, continues. We hope that continues now that he's a member with the Titans. But an electric game last year between two teams that, you know, your traditionalists maybe would not have speculated would have been paired up. But 
91 points between Tulane and USC in, in what really was one of my favorite bowl games of the entire season last year. There's no one that would have predicted that game to be that game. And, oh, by the way, Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner, oh, yeah. had one of the best games in your Cosmo Classic history. Uh, and, you know, and he, quote, unquote, doesn't get talked about because of Spears and because of Pratt and what they did, and obviously with the defense locking down and getting that safety at the, at the end of the game. What an electric atmosphere that game. And that's what the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic is about, giving opportunities, you know, because of the way the, the system works. We've had um, every third year we would get the group of five champion in our game, you know, uh, and that's San Cincinnati uh, who earned their way in right. as a college football playoff uh, semifinal game. So to have Tulane, to have Memphis in our game, um, it, you know, that, that, that has happened. Tulane really came in and they they were hungry. You know, I, I have a unique connection to Tulane because I worked at Tulane, and I was there the first two years of their uh, time under Coach Fritz. And you know, not that I was biased because I, I got sure. friends everywhere. So you know, but I was happy for them. I was happy for USC because you know Lincoln Riley and what he's done at in Oklahoma one. in year one at a at a very tough place. To coach at and be successful at, he came in and did that. And, you know, obviously there was some disappointment because they didn't win their the, at, the, at the conference championship. But they came in and battled in that game. And they didn't, you know, Tulane just did what they needed to do. And it was a really electric atmosphere in AT&T Stadium for that game. And, you know, one of the most unique things about this, and no disrespect to any other win Tulane's had in their football history, but most likely – that was the biggest win in their football history, and it happened in our game. Outside of anything they may have done in the SEC in the 30s, yeah, probably yeah. so, absolutely. Yeah. So. yeah, the answer to the trivia question. The question is, can you get the third team in the answer to that trivia question? You know, the, the, the three schools that started in the SEC that's no longer there. People get Tulane and people get Georgia Tech. And Swanee. There yeah. you go, University yeah, of the, the South. South. Excuse me, yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> important to say. I don't want any people uh, yeah, absolutely. in Cowan getting frustrated with I figured me. being in Tennessee that you, you, might, got, you, that you might get that one right. So uh, that's my little SEC history because a lot of people bring that up. But Tulane, you know, look. And, and now they have, the, they, have the, uh, they have it on their shoulders to keep it going forward. And that's a great thing. But look what Memphis has done. Look what, look what Cincinnati has done. Look what Tulane is in position to do. And the fact that they were able to do that off the strength of, of being in our game, it just shows you the importance of what bowl games can do to build your program and put your program in position for short-term and hopefully long-term success. Scotty Rogers of the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic here with us on Main Street Sports today. Scotty, thanks for taking some time with us. We look forward to seeing you next year in Dallas. Absolutely. Come on. We're going to be so happy to have you there. Thanks for having me on today. Thanks, thanks Scotty. Scotty. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net.
Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. You can't see the sights without the sounds. From the crack of the bat to the roar of the crowd and everything in between, discover what Hit City has to offer. Spend your nights cheering on the Nashville sounds at First Horizon Park with giveaways, fireworks shows, theme weekends, and more. Single game tickets are on sale now. Visit NashvilleSounds.com to claim your seat today. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. nothing better than drinking an ice-cold beverage while taking in a Nashville Sounds baseball game. Hi, I'm Stephanie Miller with Mornings on Main Street. The Nashville Sounds and Main Street Media Television have teamed up to promote Sunday Family Fun Day here at First Horizon Park each Sunday home game. Just go to your favorite Main Street Media website and click on Sounds Main Street Media Day banner to register to win free tickets. And then we'll see you here at the ballpark. Tired of hanging lights every year? We get it. That's why Southern Nights is here to help. We install programmable lighting on your home or business so you can enjoy beautiful, customizable lighting all year round. No more ladders, tangled lights, or cold nights outside. We do the work. You do the celebrating. Call Southern Nights today and take the hassle out of holiday lighting forever. For a free quote, give us a call at 931-241-3074 or visit our Facebook page at Southern Nights. Welcome back in to Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. It is time now for Titan Insider Report from Terry McCormick, powered by Zen Sports. Terry, welcome in. Thanks for bringing it to us. Thanks for having me. The Titan Insider Daily Report, brought to you by Zen Sports, the new sports book in Tennessee that's changing the bonus game. Today was a day off for the Titans, and tomorrow will be as well before they get back together on Monday and start their preparation for the regular season, opener against the New Orleans Saints down at the Superdome. Let's review a little bit of what went on yesterday. Several guys out of practice, including Jeffrey Simmons, 
Harold Landry, Arden Key. Of those three, the one I would be most concerned about is Arden Key because he's been on the shelf a little bit with a calf injury, and the Titans picked up off the scrap heap Travis Gibson, who had seven sacks two years ago for the Chicago Bears, not only as depth, but it sounds like that could be potential insurance just in case Arden Key's calf injury is not ready to go when they take on the Saints down in New Orleans. Terry um, got down to the 53-man roster um, earlier this week, and a couple of guys, a couple of rookies on the roster of local note in particular, um, Colton Dowell, the seventh-round draft pick out of UT Martin, who played his high school ball at Wilson Central, and undrafted free agent Matt Jackson from Eastern Kentucky, who played at Hillsborough. Um, you know, what what were those guys' reactions to to making the 53 and, and particularly making the 53-man roster of the team that they kind of grew up rooting for? Yeah, it's interesting. I talked to both of those guys yesterday, and both of them were excited. In fact, they were excited, but they said their parents were probably just as excited <laughs> more so than they were. It was interesting. They brought Matt Jackson in. Uh, Rand Carthen and Mike Brable brought him into the office. You know, usually with the call that comes to tell you that you're being cut, they called him in to tell him that he made it. Colton Dow, quite the opposite. He said he waited till three o'clock, didn't get a phone call, then he saw it on Twitter that he had made the roster. So different methods, same result for both of those guys. That's cool. That's cool. Um, well, great. Terry, we appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about Zen Sports, Terry. All right. Zen Sports is the new sports book in Tennessee, revolutionizing the way you earn sports betting rewards. With Zen Sports, your rewards are cash rewards. You bet with real money, and now you're rewarded with it too. Keep betting and keep earning every month up to 3% cash back rewards on your betting volume. Best of all, earn cash commission on your referral bets with Zen Sports Referral Rewards Program. Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem, call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. All right, we'll take a break when we come back. It's Rapid Fire Reaction here on Main Street. Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Ball and Joy. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Let your child play like the pros this fall season and join Titans Flag Football in their NFL Flag Football League. Titans Flag Football is no contact, easy to learn, convenient with teams meeting once per week for practices and games on Sundays. And we cannot forget, it's ridiculously fun. Teams are co-ed with ages from pre-K through 8th grade in select locations across Middle Tennessee. Visit TitansFlagFootball.com and sign up before registration closes on September 4th. Let's play together and win together this fall season with Titans Flag Football. 
Natalie. They have a dragon here. I saw it. But no, they don't. There's no such thing as dragons. I swear, I saw it. It had huge claws. Get out of here. It had eyes as big as the moon. Come on, I'll show you. Wait up. See that? We're almost there. Whoa! I told you so. That is a dragon. You've been putting back a few, and a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think about calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. What's the worst that can happen? You get pulled over, your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you total your car. You kill someone. to SEC Football Media Day's kickoff event here at the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. This is Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We are in the Mobile League Company studio here on Radio Row, coming to you from SEC Media Day's. Man, what a fantastic week it has been so far, and a continued fantastic week, as we've got another day and a half or so left of this thing, so it should be a lot of fun. Again, we are... Happy to be with you and bringing you the most timely and comprehensive sports and sports news coverage in all of Middle Tennessee. Mo, always a good time when we get to SEC Media Days because this next guest is going to be around and our conversations lead to fruitful things happening especially here in Nashville they do indeed because the last time we had this guest the question came up what would happen if Nashville gets a new stadium Hmm. and I don't know if our conversation had anything to do with Nashville getting a new stadium but we talked to Bill Hancock about Nashville getting a new stadium they're getting a new stadium Uh, (laughs) so coincidence I think not. We think not. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Hancock, the uh, executive director, is that correct? Or Yeah. Of the college head, uh, football playoff. Flunky, head flunky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he joins us here on Main Street Sports. So thanks for taking time with us again. We, we really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And I, I know Middle Tennessee, Bone & Joint, Mid-Tennessee. That's right. Mid-Tennessee. Uh, I will give a commercial. I just had a knee replacement about six weeks ago. Not with them, but with somebody else in Kansas City. But if you're thinking about getting a knee replacement, go do, do it. it. <laughs> well, Don't I'm gonna tell you, I'm put a, it off. You had it six weeks ago, uh, and I never, I six never, and a half. And I never would have known to watch you walk around here. It's a miracle. It yeah. is a total, absolute miracle. Um, so anyway, Changed your that's, life, that's huh? my commercial. You're not and, the first person I've heard mm-hmm. say get their knee, get your knee replaced. Don't it, fool around. There's no reason to fiddle around with it. Just go do it. And you might be in pain for a week, but hey, maybe two. It's a miracle. I thought about y'all this morning when I went for my walk, speaking of which, and I walked over to the stadium because I don't know which side of the stadium the new stadium will be on. Like as I was walking across the pedestrian bridge. It's going to be south. South. Okay. That's what I thought was south. Yeah. So, yeah. so there's a street in there, right? Between the, For now. 
for now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> will, there, will the street not be there anymore? Uh, we, we don't rerouted? really know. It's T- probably rerouted. TBD yeah. is uh, our best, TBD. best yeah. Yeah. Uh, assessment. Yeah. And yeah. what will ultimately go on the ground where the current stadium is? Parking, parking. I believe. Parking? Yeah. Surface parking, or will they build a ramp? I would imagine they'll build something. One would hope. Yeah. Yeah. I this mean, is not why you had me on the show. No, right? it's okay, right. though. But, I mean, it's, yeah. it's important because and we don't really know a whole lot of details. We haven't seen a lot of details come mm-hmm. out about the stadium other mm-hmm. than it's, it's, it's going to happen. So I, I think that's, that, they're all great questions, and they're all things that we would all like the answer to. To be, to be honest with you, Bill. <laughs> I could sit on your side of the desk, and I could ask the questions. Hey, listen. You know, we, you know I, I, like, I like where you're sitting. Though. <laughs> I, 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 with all due respect, because I, I, really, I really enjoy what you do. And, um, and it seems Me you're too. only going to be doing it for another, you know, less than another couple of years, I guess. You announced last month that you're going to be stepping down. Yep. In February of 25. I did. When my contract ends, uh, I, I told the board I, I don't need to extend. And really, frankly, part of that is now that I have this new knee, I can go <laughs> hiking and all that without, without having any pain. And so you're going to. Huh? I'm going to. And well, I've had a great career. My first year in college athletics was 1971, before any of y'all were born. Uh, <laughs> before maybe two of us were born. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I've had a great career, loved it, loved every minute of it, and it's time to move on. There's some mixed emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to miss the people. I'm going to miss this a lot. But I'm, I'm, well, gonna... I'm sure they'll let you come back. I don't know if they will or not. Can I get a credential? I, I think. I you can be part bet. of mainstream sports say, we'll today. Slide yeah, we'll, we'll credential you, and you can just hang out with. You can hang out on this side of the desk yeah. <laughs> and ask all the questions. You'll be in good shape. Perfect. Yeah, we got you. <laughs> we got you. Um. Before you go, though, I mean, it, it, it seems you're leaving this thing in pretty good shape. Yeah, CFP's in really good shape. We've had eight, nine great years, and uh, looking forward to another one this year when who knows what might happen. Just looking back to when it was created, um, I had high expectations, but they've been exceeded by the popularity of the event, by the attention that the weekly rankings have brought to the sport, and it's just it's just been a phenomenal event, and it's only going to get better. It it's only going to get better, and it's going to get better. A lot of folks will say after this upcoming season. Well, it's not the only time that the stadium was not the only thing that we forecasted in our conversation with Bill last year. The twelve team playoff had not been announced yet. That's true. So it's going to get better next season when the CFP goes from four four teams to twelve teams. Yeah, we were in, that was when we talked before, we were in between because there had been a group of the commissioners that wanted to expand, and then three of them said, no, we don't want to. And that shot the deal down. And then in September last year, our board, the university president, said unanimously, we will expand, and we'll do it as soon as we can. So that's where we are. We're right in the middle of getting ready for the expansion. Which is obviously a pivotal time. And, uh, and Bill, while we have you, I'm curious – you kind of roam these halls, and uh, it's just so much excitement in the air. And I guess uh, my question to you is, yeah, what, are, what are some of your favorite things that you're going to uh, savor and enjoy these, these next couple of years being a part of, of an event like SEC Media Days? Well, this SEC Media Days is awesome. You're, you nailed it. You can just feel the energy 
especially here on Radio Row, and how crowded we were up in Hoover. Uh, this is way better. And I, I guess Dallas will be even better. But that was an interesting announcement yesterday mm-hmm. from Commissioner yeah. Sankey <laughs> about Dallas. And I'm, I'm happy for them, proud of them, think it's a good decision. But what's on our mind is just implementing the new event and particularly focusing on the first round on campus. These are four games on campus. There's never been a tournament like this in college football, never been a tournament game played on campus. A lot of great games played on a lot of campuses around mm-hmm. the country. A lot of meaningful games. I think this, these games will be the most meaningful games in the history of these campuses. It's a, it's a massive undertaking, and is, is that kind of what I'm picking up? Is you guys now over the next couple of months kind of just fine-tuning a few things? Pretty much the roadmap is set. Now we're just trying to make things as best as possible. Yep. There's a lot of, a lot of details to implementing a new event. Where, where will the visiting teams stay? Say Starkville hosts a game. Stillwater host a game, State College, Clemson. <laughs> Where will the visiting team stay? We have to work that out. How many tickets will go to the visiting team? Uh, we'd like to have a set number for every game so an AD can plan in, in August. They can start thinking, okay, if we get in the first round, we're going to get 3,000 tickets or whatever. So um, media, how, how to deal with what – what if the press conference, press box is too small? Uh, visiting locker rooms. A lot of places don't have great, large visiting locker mm-hmm. rooms. Where, how do you deal well, with that? And, and you mentioned a couple of teams, but specifically, what if Appalachian State is undefeated and they're the number seven seed, and now they're hosting, and you're you got to go to Boone, North Carolina? <laughs> what does with, that look with, like with this event? Yep. What does that look like? That, that would be really difficult. Yep, and Appalachian State would have earned it, and so we sure. will be going to Boone. We'll, yeah. work, we'll work it out. I just, Y'all I, may have to sit outdoors. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of... Bring your parkas. I'd be okay with that. I don't, I don't know if I want to sit outdoors in, in Boone, North Carolina in December. In the time that we're going to be playing a college football playoff game. Well, And, and, and on, on top of that, you're going to have four games on different campuses across the country, and you guys probably will have to staff that too, won't you? We will. Yep. So we you will. <laughs> that's that's going to be an so, undertaking. So, so in other words, y'all hiring? Y'all are hiring. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> that's going to be tough. The, the fact is the home school will do most of the work, gotcha. of course. Mm-hmm. We, we, they're there. We've got them there. There's no reason to do anything different. Um how much of the homeschool pageantry will you have? Will you have Wisconsin? You'll have to have a jump around in the third sure. quarter. And, and that, that's interesting because, you know, we're, we're not too far removed from the NCAA baseball tournament and the College World Series and that kind of thing. And they really kind of sanitize those postseason games where they can't, they can't necessarily play the home team's walk-up music um, the home team isn't always the home team, you know, different things like mm-hmm. that. So, again, how much of that home team pageantry do you allow in that tournament setting? The magic of, of a college football Saturday is a lot of the pageantry. And so we don't intend to get rid of it right now, but we do intend to let the visiting team have their run-on music. So maybe the pregame show is going to be a, long, a little bit longer because you've got to have both. But I don't suppose we'll have in the third quarter the giveaway of the scholarship for the journalism school at 
Oklahoma. <laughs> I don't suppose we'll have that. Sure. So it'll it'll be a combination, but 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 keep a keep keep that homeschool pageantry. Both bands would be ideal. Both bands would be ideal. <laughs> Both bands would be ideal. What what makes college football special? You can list a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Marching bands. It is. I, that, to me, that that's what separates college football from professional is the the things surrounding the event. And college football playoff events are just that. I mean, this is not something that's going to be a a show up on Saturday kind of thing. You're going to have ESPN crews out. You're going to have CBS crews out. You're, it, it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be a big deal. Yep. It's going to be really cool. And then, of course, 10 days later, the winners go off to the bowl games to play New Year's Day and New Year's Eve. We, we envision one game New Year's Eve, one three-quarter final game of New Year's Day. And so 10 days later, they go play again. And then 10 days after that, they go play in the semifinals. How special is it to you, and, and you may not have even thought about this to this point, to be the executive director to enact all of that as kind of your swan song to some degree? I guess I really haven't thought about that. I, I will say this. When I was hired to do the CFP, I was, I was the only person at the start. And the commissioner said, okay, build a staff, get a selection committee, finish the TV rights, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. And looking back on it now, I should have been scared to death. <laughs> but I wasn't. It was a great opportunity, and now we have a great staff, and basically they do all the work. <laughs> so that's what we'll do with the, with the new deal. we we'll probably add a few staff. We have 17 on our staff at our office in Dallas, plus three on our foundation staff. And we, we may need to add a few more. It's going to be awesome. It should come as no surprise, guys, that Bill's able to pull all this off uh, with his background as a, as a co-signer, Hall of Famer. I mean, uh, it kind of goes back to the old adage, if you can do anything in, uh, in sports information, you can do just about anything, Bill. I'm sure you're aware of that. I did start my career in sports information, and I, I did. They had, they had one year where they couldn't find anybody to put in the Hall of Fame, so they stuck me in there. <laughs> I find that hard, somewhat hard to believe. I yeah. find it terribly hard to believe, and, actually, but... Uh, I don't think anybody in the athletic department knows as much about all the department as the sports information director. Right. And, and I mean, you, you watch so much from that position. I, I was a student worker in sports information at Middle Tennessee State. So, I mean, and this guy was a former athletic media relations director. So, I mean, we've kind of got a feel for and an affinity for those folks. So, yeah. but, but I truly believe that, that, that mm-hmm. it, that position in particular, you're balancing so many hats or wearing so many hats at once, uh, kind of like this role that you're currently serving in. Um, it seems like those positions are sometimes best equipped to pull off big operations like this. Yep. And I think if you you need to know how to write. If you're, if you're going to want a career, you need to know how to write. Now, I know a lot of young people don't care about that. All they want to do is tweet. But you, you need to know how to write and you need to know how to read. Be a, be a reader. When young people ask me about what, what do I need to do, I say read and write. Know everything about the business that you can possibly absorb. And I, I got a chance to be a student assistant in sports information in my junior year in college, and I thought it was, I thought I had died and gone to heaven. <laughs> it was the coolest thing. 
we carried typewriters up to the press box on Friday <laughs> afternoon to get ready for games. And did you carry the um, mimeograph? I did, and, and wow. if you, you had to be careful with that mimeograph machine because you could spill the fluid on your pants while you were carrying it up to the press box. So you had to be real careful. <laughs> and and you had to carry it up because, you know, Floyd Stadium, Tennessee Tech, there were no elevators, you know. So yeah, you had to lug that stuff. Yeah, we it's, had we had an elevator at Oklahoma. We were we were kind of big time. Oh, you were kind of big time. Ooh, yeah. yeah, it okay. fit uh, six people could go up at once. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that didn't well, take long to get up there, did it? <laughs> you carried it up all the stairs. Oh man, all the steps. All the steps. <laughs> yeah. No yeah. wonder you're so big and strong. Uh, well, big anyway. No. <laughs> I thought I had it bad, Cam, to carry a backpack with about four laptops in it. But uh, no. I, I know that you guys blazed a, a different trail for me, that's for sure. <laughs> when I was a, my first year in the business, we had the – Oklahoma had a good team, 1971. Mm. That was a game of Oklahoma-Nebraska on Thanksgiving, both undefeated. Great 35-31 game. Wow. That was my introduction to the to the world of college athletics, and I thought, man, I'm in the greatest career ever. My salary was nine seven thousand dollars a year, and that was fine. I had a wife and a baby, and we did great. And Good. we had to walk uphill to school in Both the snow. Ways. Well, because, <laughs> there we go. Because you're working in sports. You're working and, in sports. And getting paid to do it. And getting paid to do and it. Think about all those people walking down the street out there right now. They'd all love to be right here sitting in where y'all are sitting. I mean, I, Bill, I, I'm from the Birmingham area, so I've been on the other side of the stanchions at SEC Media Days looking down Radio Row going, I can't wait to be there one day. So it's pretty cool. And there, there, there is a level of excitement. You know, when, when you're able to be here in, in this type of environment, and those folks out there, they, they, you know, working in sports is a lot of fun. So for those of you out there who are, you know, looking at, at potentially working in sports, you're never going to be rich, but you can have a lot of fun doing it, and you get to talk to go to, to folks like Bill Hancock. Like Bill Hancock. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, truly, I mean, you have a lot of good friends, but isn't it funny because they all they think it's all about games. Mm-hmm. And games are such a <laughs> tiny percentage of, of what, what any do. of us do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Microscope. Bill, before we get you out of here, uh, what's going to be one or two big things, or maybe that you're most proud of with your time, uh, kind of forming and shaping? This has literally been your baby in many regards. And just what's one or two things that you're most uh, proud of during your tenure? Ooh, good question. Um, well, just the fact that we have a playoff and that it has been so successful. Uh, we played the championship game in 10 different cities in the first 10 years. Uh, I guess what I'm the most proud of, though, would be the people that I've encountered in that time, y'all, the three of you, uh, others. When you leave a position, what, you, what your legacy is is the people that you've been able to work with. And I've, I've been lucky enough to have a lot of people that I've really enjoyed working with. Well, you said it earlier. You said it last year. All the boxes can be checked for Nashville as soon as that stadium's done. Do you foresee the college football playoff championship being in this city or at least a semifinal in this city within the next few years? Well, I'll never forget the day Scott Ramsey called me after the council. Of oh, I bet he did. <laughs> <laughs> you were the first call. I, I will. Scott said, I will. <laughs> get Bill on the phone. 
I will never. We called me the day before to say tonight's the night, and I'll never forget the excitement in his voice. Oh yeah. And the fact is, it's going to be hard for CFP not to go to Nashville. Now I'm I'm making a commitment on the part of whoever takes my place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll be gone. I need to tell Ramsey. I just want a credential to go see the game. I just when need to here. be there. That's yeah. right. It's going to be awesome. Well, Scott, I, I'm, we've said it a number of times this week. Nobody throws a party quite like Nashville, and you put a college football championship game right here in this town, and it's going to be insanity. This is a world-class city, and now it's going to have a world-class stadium. Well, And I don't think you'll have any problem getting in. No. You don't? I, I no, don't I, I really don't. I'm going to tell him I know you. Would that help? It, it no, no, you. it will not. Do not do that. <laughs> it will not help. <laughs> in, in fact, that's probably the one way that you won't get in. So be, be careful with that. Yeah. Hey, it's been great, y'all. It's been really fun. Bill Hancock, Executive Director of the College Football Playoff here on Main Street Sports Today. Bill, again, as always, it's a pleasure. And we, we cannot thank you enough for all the work you did to make this happen and for your patience today as we tried to scarf down some lunch. <laughs> so thank you. Appreciate you. The corn was pretty good up there. I oh, it, the was corn. All, it, it was all really solid. The pork, all good. So yeah. we'll right. take a break. Take care. When Thanks, we come Bill. back here on Main Street Sports Today, more live from the SEC Football Media Day's kickoff event at the Grand Hyatt in downtown Nashville. Come back with us. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Did you know that up to 80% of us will experience back or neck pain during our lifetime? Many of you are offered surgery or addictive pain pills to relieve your chronic pain. At the Dr. Gill Center for Back, Neck, Chronic Pain Relief, we have been leading the way to better health, naturally, and have helped tens of thousands of people right here in Middle Tennessee for the past 30 years. I came to Dr. Gill about 10 years ago after my local doctors recommended surgery. I knew about Dr. Gill and wanted to see if he could help me. 10 years later, I am pain-free, no surgery, and no pain pills. Surgery is scary, and over 40% of all back surgeries fail, creating a cycle of surgery and pills. There is a safer solution to your chronic pain. Make the call to the Dr. Gill Center for Back Neck Chronic Pain Relief today and get your life back. This office visit is normally $299, but call today and receive your initial consultation, report of finding for just $49. But hurry, this offer won't last long. Call 615-768-8743. That's 615-768-8743. You can't see the sights without the sounds. From the crack of the bat to the roar of the crowd and everything in between, 
Discover what Hit City has to offer. Spend your nights cheering on the Nashville sounds at First Horizon Park with giveaways, fireworks shows, theme weekends, and more. Single game tickets are on sale now. Visit NashvilleSounds.com to claim your seat today. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. Well, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah. So Houston is the chief cook and bottle washer for Mockingbird Title and Escrow, which is a a new sponsor here on Main Street Sports today as of, I guess, Friday official? Coming up on Friday. So, <laughs> Houston, exactly what is your title, seriously? Uh, I am, I would just be the owner, the attorney. I'll, I'll take Cook. What, what, what were all those other things? I might want to put those in. Bottle washer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, the Mockingbird title is my baby. We'll just put it that way. Now, how long have you all been in, in operation? Well, I started, uh, I guess that depends on your definition of operation. Mockingbird itself started in 2020. Uh, I started practicing law in 2014 and uh, quickly uh, realized that the, the world's best networkers are real estate agents. And if I could cater to those folks, then they would tell uh, folks far and wide, and that was the best way to grow my business. So um, I practiced in areas that uh, could serve real estate agents, um, probating estates to get uh, title from uh, an estate into the heirs of a decedent or um, quieting title for investors who had bought property out of tax sales. And that led me to the title world. Uh, and I worked as in-house counsel for a, a couple of title companies, but uh, realized I, I missed the practice of law, so I started Mockingbird as a way to uh, have my cake and eat it too, where I could both practice law and also have have the title company uh, in a, a symbiotic relationship. And I think it's it's led to a pretty unique business model uh, in the Middle Tennessee title company market. And in the Middle Tennessee title company market, where real estate is booming, <laughs> and it's it's got to be a pretty sweet spot to be in. It is. You know, folks uh, have been uh, justifiably concerned about rates rising uh, and that's slowing things down. But uh, we are very spoiled here in Tennessee. Slowing down for us in the, in the Nashville and Middle Tennessee market is really something close to normal uh, or what should be normal uh, in most places. Uh, it seems everyone still wants to move to Nashville and the surrounding counties and even the surrounding of the surrounding counties, it seems. <laughs> Houston, what makes Mockingbird a little different? Obviously, you being an attorney has something to do with that. What what what, what kind of sets you guys apart? Well, a, a little bit of what I touched on earlier. 
we can provide one-stop shopping. Um, so we can take care a lot of a lot of those legal issues um, that, you know, precede uh, even getting a contract for the sale of a property. So uh, if someone has passed away and, and uh, we're looking to get title into the heirs uh, names, there's a there's a court process that goes along with that. Um, so I can handle that before there's ever a contract um, or I, I mentioned quiet title actions if someone has bought a property out of a tax sale. So if I'm handling these things uh, with the court from the get go, I know ahead of time what the title requirements are going to be and I can meet those requirements. So we're not having to go back and get orders re-signed and things like that. It just makes the communication easier because it's all in the same place, uh, makes things more efficient and makes things more cost efficient as well. Well, that, that, that's, you know, it's so important for folks, especially who are watching this show, to know, you know, if you're looking to buy a house, there are a lot of different ways to go about it, but you absolutely need someone on your side who can navigate all of the the issues that certainly come along with closing. And closing is, is, is obviously the most difficult part of probably a real estate process, let's be honest, and having a... a an experienced person on your side at the end of the day is, is really key. Yes. And it's, it's a job I really love. Uh, I'm passionate about this. I'm enthusiastic about this. We're in growth mode. I'm hiring people who are also passionate and enthusiastic about it. And as much as, you know, it's fun to work with investors, it's fun to work with realtors. You know, there's, uh, we did a closing yesterday for a family with a new baby closing on their very first home. There were tears at the end of the closing at the closing table. Uh, it wasn't the biggest deal or the most expensive house, but it, those are the ones that just, it, when you lay your head on your pillow at night, it, it makes everything worthwhile. So um, I like to think we're pretty well-rounded and can deal with a wide range of, of needs and a wide range of clients. I'm pretty sure this was the music playing the last time we had Coach I Tech think it is. On. I'm just glad and you was, stayed still. I like it. <laughs> oh, welcome in to Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. We are in the Lee Company studio coming to you from SEC Football Media Days. Kickoff event at the Grand High in downtown Nashville. We have a very special guest with us now, Mo. Without question. Um Longtime Tennessee offensive coordinator, former Ole Miss and Duke coach David Cutcliffe joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. And we were just kind of reminiscing about some of his former players from the area and the opportunity for him to visit with some of them. But coach, this will be your second year off the sideline. What was last year like for you? First time in how long? 40 some odd years um it, it was it's hard because you just lose so many close relationships you're you're immediately pulled away from a lot of people you love players coaches etc so that that i will that that's hard <clears throat> from a football standpoint you know <clears throat> it wasn't as much that as it was the people mm -hmm. And the people, um, that can never be replaced. But that's why when I travel, I'm going to always see my guys, you know, and uh, that just makes you feel good. I saw coaches last year, some um, saw former players. But the one thing I will say, for the first time in my life, I would wake up Sunday morning 
and my eyes would open and I would realize I don't have to worry about what happened the day before <laughs> because those Sunday mornings when you didn't win, oh my gosh, like, okay. And when I say Sunday morning, the light hadn't mm-hmm. hit yet. The sun wasn't up. Yeah. So I, I didn't miss some of those crushing times. SEC special assistant to the commissioner for football relations. Um, and as we like to play around from sometimes, Coach, what is it that you do here? <laughs> I'm Dwight Schrute. Uh, if you want <laughs> He's to a know. people person. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, the commissioner and I talked about this. He, they called me and see if, if I had interest. We, I said, I'd, I'd rather fly down there and see everybody face to face. I wanted to see what the team was like. He's put, he surrounded himself with great folks. And he's a great leader. And we didn't write a job description. You know, he said, "This we want a coach being a coach. We want someone that can relate to our people in football. And uh, we feel like you can fit that. So I've kind of written my own uh, approach to this. So, for example, this spring, I went to 16 schools. When I go in the building, I'm going to go straight to the equipment room and see those guys. And I have communication with them. And then I'm going to see the ops people. And then I'm going to go to the training room. And then I'm going to go to the video room. And I'm going to go to the recruiting areas where all of these people. And I kind of want to hear from them before I talk to the coaches. Tell me what's up in college football. What's right? How are the players? You know, If you want to know what the players are like or feeling, Go to the equipment room. Hmm. Hmm. And so I want to be a conduit for those people, not only with us in the conference, but with their own coaches. Um, and I've always taken pride in those relationships. And so I've tried to build that with our head coaches, but not just them. When I started, they said something about our 14 coaches. I said, I'm going to correct you. There's 10 full-time assistants at every school, there's 154 of those, and then we've got graduate assistants, and we have this, you know, and I just am building relationships. And what i am got to do is be a good listener, be an encourager, but I can also help them understand it's not as simple sometimes as we think it is as coaches to fix all of this. <laughs> so I deliver also a message administratively to them and say, oh, wait a minute. You know, here's some things we have to overcome first. So that's my job. I don't know if that sounds right or wrong, but I love being around the buildings. And I go watch football practice. Man, I like that better than I do the games. I, I do they wanna, love having you there, too. Well, I want to go out there and coach them up a little bit. That's hard <laughs> not to. Coach, you know, we, we always say you learn more from your mistakes than, than your successes. Is there anything that you did last year that you kind of – maybe tweaked and found a better way to do something going into year two? Yeah, I, I think, uh, again, I, I needed to increase the face-to-face contact. I, I was never, when we were forced to Zoom oh, gosh. Uh, <laughs> meetings, and, and I would tell anybody that runs a business and said, hey, we worked under Zoom, let's do that. I, there's no, there's nothing like face-to-face, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I've, I've traveled a bit more. I'm trying to be more accessible in person. I even went to, to, to Texas and Oklahoma last spring because I wanted to start building those relationships. 
and um, and I'll go back. Um, I, I thought the first year was a little too removed, face to face, too much text, too too much. And I respect the coaches' times. I'm not going to call them all the time. So we do have a there's 15 of us, 14 head coaches, and me on a text circuit, and we can do that. And I do it with assistant coaches. I do it with the equipment room. I have a ops. I have a strength staff. I left them out in that other conversation because none of this is going to work unless we're all unified, in my opinion. And I would include you all in the media that if we want to, you know, resonate positive change and maintain what's phenomenal about college athletics, we need to work to do it together. Coach, you've talked a lot uh, about the way the league has grown, and it's kind of been a popular theme this week, but how about just this event, especially obviously being in a city like Nashville, uh, pardon the construction outside, but all of that. What have, what have you seen, what have you noticed in the obviously long decorated career in the SEC, especially in regards to this particular event, which has kind of morphed into uh, an event of its own every year? Well, it, it's been fun. I mean, we're all a little more together than what we've been, but. I will say this about the Grand Hyatt. It doesn't surprise me. They have been incredible hosts. I hope you guys have felt that. Um, they've gone out of their way. The city of Nashville, yes, we have construction, but wow. You know, everything's happening, and Nashville's a different town. I came over here recruiting in 1982. I can't find anything that was around then. <laughs> there, is, there isn't anything no. around wow. that was here in 82. But, but <laughs> our access you know, the, everything here is is so di- dynamic, and I like the neon they have of each institution, and I can, from my room, see some of the neon in, in, in Nashville, and just, uh, this has been a great event. I'm sure we'll be back, you know. Oh. I would think for sure. I know he's announced, rightfully so, going to Dallas. Uh, the footprint is changing, mm-hmm. uh, and we need to recognize that, but. You know, this is a little heart and soul for me, guys. I'd rather be on Main Street than I would be down the street, right? right. <laughs> there, there ain't no doubt about it. And uh, uh, obviously, Texas and Oklahoma getting a lot of the headlines. But also, outside of Georgia, Coach, uh, what's kind of your overall takeaway on the league as far as competition this year? Because other than maybe potentially Georgia, seems like there's a lot of uh, teams gunning uh, potentially to maybe claim that championship this year. Sure. I, I, I think, you know, I was asked earlier by someone, you know, give me your final four in the SEC. And I said, well, I think it's impossible at this point. Um, with what I've looked going to spring practices and, and getting to know these staffs, I mean, they're, they're, it's not far-reaching to see any number of teams in the West or the East mm-hmm. that can, can do something. I mean, have you seen – K.J. Jefferson walked by here. Okay, you know, when you understand the, the talent and the quality of that young man and what Sam Pittman's done, and I'm talking, you know, the West now, but what Lane Kiffin's uh, accomplished in LSU year two, and then let alone Alabama and Auburn, and nobody's going to sell Coach Freeze short. And then you go flip over on the other side. Tennessee and Georgia are probably the two most obvious who knows? You know, what are the Gators going to be? You know, Billy Napier's a winner. And Tennessee's uh, got to go there. Yes. We haven't won there since 01, maybe? 
It's been a while. It's been a while. Well, I tell you, it's a tough place to play having <laughs> I'll never forget we're down there one year and we're under the center at this era and our quarterback um uh, doing his best to bark signals in our centers telling me on the headset, I can't hear him. Uh, okay, you can't get any closer to a quarterback than a center under the center, right? So um, it's difficult, and, you know, that was an incredible rivalry uh, for such a great time. I'm going to go to that game just for the memories of the good old days. I've already put that one on my, my calendar, and I may just walk around a little bit, take it all in. You know, it'll be a lot to take in, but it'll be fun. Absolutely. Coach David Cutcliffe, and, and regardless of anything else he's doing, he'll always be Coach Cut. Yeah, um, no question. Special assistant to the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference, joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. Coach, spent so much time in the Atlantic Coast Conference at Duke. You know, how... Did the SEC separate itself from the ACC, and how have you seen that just in the short time in the league office? Well, I mean, let's let's face it. I would even say this, and I'm not saying anything I wouldn't say to anybody involved with the Atlantic Coast Conference. It's a great league. There's some great coaches there. Uh, but I would always say in our spring meetings, we're not, we don't need to change this. If the SEC's not changing it, don't change it. <laughs> It's necessary not to change it. And uh, I've said this, and this is not disparagingly toward great fans of ACC football, but it just means more is associated with our fan base. And having last year for the first time getting behind the wheel of a car, driving in to a stadium, I would – Thank goodness I had parking that they afforded me, <laughs> but I, nobody gave me escorts in or out. Walking the paths I had to walk to get to the stadium, God bless the fans of the SEC. That's why it just means more. And Coach Saban, I was really proud at the end of the day, he took a little bit of a different approach from that. He, he thanked you all. I don't know if you all were in there. You probably couldn't be, but he thanked the media for creating the brand and covering players of the SEC and making a difference. So as I looked and I think about that that motto all the time, it just means more. There's a lot of areas that just means more. Go right now to the state of Texas and see the eagerness Hmm. of Longhorn players and potential prospects of the opportunity to play in the SEC. A&M had that going on. Mm -hmm. Don't think for a second that the Longhorns weren't watching what was happening there. Mm. So the footprint getting bigger is going to mean that it just means more and more and more, in my opinion. (laughs) That, That would be great. I hope next year it says it just means more. And, and more. more. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know was, if I could sell that to our marketing uh, people think, or not, but it's not a bad one, right? I'm no, it's not. And it's, it's not. And it's not inaccurate. Yeah, no, and and that's why that's why they have him around. Exactly. I mean, hey, hey, we, you maybe you may be the special assistant to the marketing department after that one, Coach. <laughs> I try not to. I try to listen when I'm in that office. They've hired so many smart young people that my jaw drops. I'm like, wow. 
Now you're great at what you do. You're great at what you do. Yeah. I mean, the commissioner, I think understands no different than all the great coaches is just you surround yourself with winners. And uh, he's certainly done that in that conference office. Well, I can tell you that for a young person to hear that from you, I'm sure it means a lot to them as well. Well, I care for them and, and I, they're my teammates now. And, um, I want them to know I'm I'm there for them. I mean, I do. I, I have a lot of experience within our league, and um, I get asked a lot of questions by them, and they want to hear about the old days, and I can deliver that. But I'm <laughs> bugging them all the time, wanting to know about the new day uh, and what what we can do with technology and our video people. If you want to see something amazing, you go to the conference office for a visit and go down to the video center. And what John McDade and those people do as far as replay and what, uh, I mean, everybody wants to complain about officiating. If they knew the efforts and the detail and how hard that is, mm-hmm. and then he's having to recruit officials this day and time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would encourage any young person that has a great love for the game maybe to get interested in officiating. We're going to have a need there. And I tell officials all it's the time. It's going to be a lot easier now to get into a into big-time officiating absolutely. than it ever has been. And mm-hmm. I'll say this, and I've told every official that's a friend, that you go in any football facility, you're going to see the great players. You know, you're going to see the Peyton Manning. You're going to see these people. But if you will closely look at the picture, in the background, there's a guy in a striped shirt, which without that person, none of this is capable of happening you've got to stick your neck out and those guys have integrity we got meetings coming up with them next week in birmingham and i look forward to going over and shaking their hands and addressing that group Um, a lot falls on their shoulders and it's not easy in an instant to make those decisions we all are really good with replay, are we not? Uh, I have really become a much better coach on play calling with replay since I didn't have to do it on time, you know. But, you know, people, I'm not asking you to be patient, but I'm, I'm asking you to be reasonable when it comes to how you deal with these, these courageous people that are officials of the game. Absolutely. And, Coach, uh, I got to ask you, I don't know if you thought you'd get out of here without at least one quarterback question, but you've seen, obviously, the best of the best. You've coached the best of the best. And it just seems like the bar somehow, some way, keeps getting raised at that quarterback position. If you could just kind of just maybe walk us through the evolution of that position and, and maybe what can we realistically expect because it seems like the players and the talent continue to improve even when it seems like we've almost reached a ceiling of sorts. Yeah, and I don't know if there ever will be a ceiling. Um, it's interesting when you talk about the athletes and the, their accuracy, the the size. You know, a lot of things change. Look at track times. I would tell people to go back and track track winners in the Olympics, NCAA, anywhere over the last 40 years, and you will be shocked how far it's come. Where does it stop? I don't know. But the athleticism, the control of the ball, um, and the rules of the game somewhat help quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. I want you to realize that rightfully so, they've taken these crunching hits over the middle out of the, the game. So when you're training a quarterback, 
uh, you, what you wouldn't use to throw, you can fit it in on seams. You can fit it in because the guy's going to have a chance to catch it and then get hit with a shoulder. So we're going to see records fall. Um, you know, obviously, um, how you call pass interference can vary. That's mm-hmm. a really challenging thing. If there, if a if a crew, and I used to study it, if a crew was going to call a lot of defensive pass interference calls, I would tell our quarterback make take more shots. Uh, and absolutely, you can do that if. So there's a bunch that goes into that. Training your quarterback is still the same. You train them from the neck up and the neck down. And where a lot of coaches make mistakes is that they sit with a film and they talk about the neck stuff all the time. That's all a meeting mm-hmm. is. And you, 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 when you don't train the detail of every mechanic over and over and over, then that's going to regress. And no matter what my eyes say, you know, from where I'm holding the ball, from the what I call intention to release, if you're not paying attention to the mechanics, a guy's not going to be a great one. And so, you know, I get time to time young coordinators and young quarterback coaches, well, what's the secret? I said, there's not one. Um, Aristotle was the best quarterback coach known to man when he said excellence is not an act. We become what we repeatedly do. Quit talking to me and go back to work. Um, <laughs> that's the approach I take. I love that. Coach David Cutcliffe here with us on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Thanks, Coach, for taking time with us. We know you got to get downstairs and get, get your, your former offensive lineman up here. And, and, and if, you see him, if you see Coach walking through here with, with a fullback, don't be alarmed. Well, yep. he, he, Mind is, your business. he is a great <laughs> youngster, great-looking guy, and doing well in business, which makes me happy. And, um, yeah, played for us at Ole Miss. And he, I'm, he's not a bodyguard, but don't, don't mess with him. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank, thank you. you, Coach. Thank right. you. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, more from SEC Football Media Day's kickoff event at the Grand Hyatt on Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We'll be back to the Lee Company studio. Right after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you. No matter what's happening in the world, 
or at your house. You can't see the sights without the sounds. From the crack of the bat to the roar of the crowd and everything in between, discover what Hit City has to offer. Spend your nights cheering on the Nashville sounds at First Horizon Park with giveaways, fireworks shows, theme weekends, and more. Single game tickets are on sale now. Visit NashvilleSounds.com to claim your seat today. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtb. We are at First Horizon Park, and tonight it's not the Nashville Sounds. No, no, it's Banana Ball, and it's going to get crazy. We're so excited to show you a little bit about what Banana Ball is like right here in Nashville, a little Music City style. It's going to be a lot of fun. We've got some great interviews. We've got some stuff to talk about. We've got some, some great plays to show. It's going to be a lot of fun. So looking forward to telling you a little bit about Banana Ball. So... Here we go. The Savannah Bananas World Tour was on full display over the weekend at First Horizon Park in Nashville. Fans piled into the stadium to the tune of a pair of sold-out crowds. From entertainment outside the stadium while fans waited to get inside to fans participating in both on-field promotions and in the game via foul balls and their fan challenge system, the Bananas create one of the most unique atmospheres in all of sports entertainment. We spoke with some of the players ahead of the game about their experience in Nashville and what it's like to be a banana. All right, guys. Thanks for being here in Nashville. What's Nashville been like for you guys? It's been fantastic. Since we got here, we got to see Dalton perform right there at third and home. We got to see the ballpark. The crowd was electric last night. Banana's got a win. That's important. Always good. But it's been uh, very family friendly. So, what are you guys expecting tonight from the party animals and from from this this crowd? Yeah, I'm expecting a close competitive game. I mean, every game we play is usually a one or two run game, and. Uh, just the competitiveness has been crazy throughout the year. I mean, this is game 42 and just uh, getting after it. What does being a banana mean to you? Yeah, I'll start it. It's a huge honor, super blessed to be a banana. The, the stage we have to impact people and, you know, impact the future generation of this game is huge. And every night we try to bring the energy. The fans bring unbelievable energy to us every night, so we just try to do the same for them. Both Bananas and the Party Animals are real baseball players who love the game, but the entertainment brings an entirely new part to America's pastime. Much like the Washington Generals of the Harlem Globetrotter shows, the Party Animals show up each night hoping to ruin the Bananas night, respectfully of course. You guys are kind of the, the heel, you're the bad guy. What is? How do you play into that? Us, you know, we, we love to be the bad guys on this side. We are here to ruin the show, but in a respectful way. You know, this is a very kid-friendly environment, but we like to dance, we like to have fun. It's all love. We're all one big family here. We put on a big show, so it's all love, but for the fans, we like to put on a big show. That's all we do. There it is. Brandon Sherman, he's a party animal. He's going to mess stuff up tonight, so make sure you watch for him. Oh, yeah. We're coming to steal a show. 
Party animals, this is our nation. This is our city. So we're coming to steal the show. Game two tonight in Nashville. We'll see you guys. We're coming to take the show. God bless you guys. One fan, however, ruined the party animals at bat when he became part of the action and caught a foul ball clean to record an out. Man, this is awesome. You guys, uh, Bananas put on a heck of a show. Get the fans into it. This is the most fun I've ever had at a baseball game. It was fantastic. For most of the players, Nashville was a fun trip. But for one player in particular, it was a chance to play for his city. Former Trevecca baseball player and big machine recording artist Dalton Malden plays second base for the team. He got a chance to play some music for his teammates and fans at third and home, as well as show his talents off on the field right here. While Malden is a baseball player turned musician slash banana, the yellow clad squad pulled former major leaguer turned musician Barry Zito into a machine on Saturday as he made his debut for the club in the team's 4-3 win. A remarkable scene here tonight at First Horizon Park on a Saturday night. Thank you, Nashville, for making Banana Ball one of the coolest experiences in all of Music City this weekend. I'm sure that they will love to be back, and they'd love to see you guys come out next time. Again, reporting from First Horizon Park in Nashville, I'm Chris Yao.